What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I was joined by a very special guest and good friend of mine, Christy Campbell. And we decided to just take the gloves off and expose a little bit of the nonsense that's going on in the industry. This was not coming at it from a perspective of just bad-mouthing other programs, but we do want to shine a light on some of the, uh, I'll say, the disservice that is done to individuals, um, mainly when we're talking about like nutrition coaching, the diet industry, uh, just we're trying to hold coaches to a higher standard. That's honestly what it comes down to. And this was an incredible conversation. This turned out way better than I expected um, just because like sometimes it's tough to tap dance around these issues, but we came right at it head on. And Christy had several mic drop moments. So you may want to listen to this one a couple times um, because there are some serious gems in here. Uh, and I'm just going to let you listen for yourself. If you enjoy this episode, we would absolutely love it if you could share it on your stories on Instagram. You can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner and Christy is at Christy May Campbell. Enjoy the episode. All right. So there is a rare elite status that only two people have hit so far, and that is being on my show three times. It's now Christy Campbell and Sam Miller are the only two. So welcome to the exclusive club, Christy, and thanks for joining me. Wow. I feel really special. I feel really honored. Yeah. So now it's going to be a race for who gets back for the fourth time. Yep. I will duke it out with Sam anytime. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> um, so this podcast was because um, Christy and I actually do a weekly call together um, just to check in and uh, we, I feel like for me personally, anyway, it's like super helpful just to, um, not feel like I'm an, on an Island with my business and be able to have like a friend who also is in the industry, who kind of knows the, the life of, of a business owner and in this crazy space that we're in. Um, so we were doing our weekly call and we just kind of went on a tangent about coaching programs. Cause I, spoke with somebody, it was like a, a new client and she was basically like, yeah, I pay $500 a month for this coach and I get one email a week. I get, here are your macros, have a nice week, um, barely get questions answered and that is it. And we just both went off because we're both very passionate about like the diet industry in general and how like most programs and, you know, it's, it's easy to spot like red flags, I think, when it comes to like traditional diet programs when you think about like just getting a template or a meal plan or something like that. But there's also a lot of other programs out there that uh, kind of market themselves as personalized or individualized, or it's like one-on-one -on -one coaching, but then you kind of get what I just referenced, which is like, Hey, here are your macros. Talk to you next week. Have a great week. And those are more expensive because they're not just it's almost worse. I feel like at least with the templates and all that, like, you know what you're getting. It's, it's cheap. It is what it is. Like it's not very effective, but at least you know what you're getting. I think with some of these other programs, it's a little bit trickier, but um, we're just going to come out of the gates firing. So I want to get your take on all of this. Yeah. I, when we were chatting and I mean, you know, Mike and I both pride ourselves on not being negative. And that's not what this podcast episode is about because we don't want to just, we're not criticizing maybe a person, I would say, or a, a 
type of person. But I think Mike and I both have the same idea that there needs to be outspoken commentary and critique on some of the the things that don't actually help people. And especially when you are in this position where you're trying to make a change, you want to, you're bought in and you're willing to invest your time and money and you think that you're going to get the support that you're signing up for, but what you really get is just a, um, a more polished gimmick, um, something that looks like it's going to be better. That's what we, we really get fired up about. And so that's kind of why we were like, you know what, we're not doing this to be negative. We're doing this because, you know, there's a lot of programs out there that should not be uh, able to bring people on and charge them a bunch of money and not deliver them what what people deserve. And so we're going to talk about it. So that way, hopefully you can see these for what they are and you can demand more out of your coach because ultimately a coach who cares about you wants to give you what you need. And, and, um, and so we're trying to elevate, elevate that space. Yeah. I'm glad you presented that framework too, because it's not about pointing fingers. It's not about talking bad about any particular company or organization or coach. It's truly about creating awareness. And I think that's the most important thing is um, just leveling up. Like you said, the coaches out there um, should expect more of themselves and and clients should expect more of their coaches and just, you know, understanding what's actually going to be serving you in your best interest and trying to separate like, you know, drown out some of the noise that's out there. Cause I, I do feel like there's, it's almost become cliche to say personalized coaching. Like that has almost become like bastardized in a sense that everybody claims personalized coaching. I've seen companies that I know firsthand from having either worked with them or for them that when they say personalized coaching, they are way off in like what that truly means to me. So it's like, just because everyone gets a different set of macros or you get, you're, you're going through like this macro formula, to me, that doesn't mean it's personalized. Um, and I actually like the fact that you have kind of taken a stand um, with macros in general, because I think that that's an easy way to say, oh, we're personalized just because we put you through a calculator and spit out a set of numbers and it's not going to be the same as somebody else. But is that really personalized. And I think that that's where it's sometimes difficult to like drown out the noise of like, what does personalization even mean? Yeah. I mean, you can have, um, height, weight, age, a ballpark activity level and some sort of masterful calculation, you know, spit out this fancy formula. And at the end of the day, it doesn't take into account anything about who you are, the history of where you've been, your, um, your life needs. If you're juggling kids, if you're, if you're coming out of, you know, life events, if you are balancing, you know, trying to heal maybe relationship stuff with food or your body, that calculator doesn't, doesn't take any of that into the equation. And so ultimately you're left with this expectation that you should be one able to do this, you know, um, target, whether it's a macro or a calorie. And then ultimately if you aren't, or if you do it and it doesn't work the way you think it will, cause somebody else it did, then you feel like the failure. And, and that's another thing that we, you know, the reason that we want to talk about this is because you're not the failure 
that calculator is not correct. It's not estimating you properly. And we're not discounting the fact that there is helpful um, information of, you know, when you know things like your body weight and your activity level, and that certainly can give you helpful guides as a coach, but that's just such a, a, you know, a portion of what actually matters in coaching and helping someone with a big, big goal, whether it's a body goal or a lifestyle goal or a transformation. Yeah. I think the biggest issue that you highlighted is the fact that it puts the individual in the position where they are the problem. Because if you're coming at it from a perspective of like, all right, here are these numbers that this calculator gave me, or even if it's a person that's like, you know, all right, I'm, I'm going to give you this unique set of macros for you. Um, all you have to do is follow it. Uh, well, now this sets the standard that if I follow it, I'm a success. If I don't follow it, I'm a failure. And it's very clear cut with this, with, with that type of coaching. It's like, there's really no gray area. There's no in between. Um, it's like, here you go, uh, hit these macros. And then if you don't do it, you're like, well, shit, what's wrong with me? And usually, and I'm not going to say all the time, but most of the time, those same coaches or those same coaching programs will just tell you to do better at hitting your macros. In a sense, all they're saying is just hit your macros better and you'll be fine. And I actually have somebody who's very close to me who wanted to experience a uh, coaching program that mostly works with um, typically like physique athletes and bodybuilders. And it was expensive and he paid a lot of money and said that if he was not compliant, there was no coaching through it. It was like non-compliance is not an option. You paid for this. So follow your damn macros was essentially. And like when you talk about like behavior change and mindset and your lifestyle and your personal preference and your experiences and the things that you value. Uh, it's, it's just taking all of that out of the equation and reducing you to a pass or fail grade based off of your ability to follow a set of numbers, which I feel like is, is um, you know, it's so damaging. It does such a disservice to, to people. I think that, um, you know, we've kind of got lost in, in what truly matters when it comes to, uh, you know, truly sustainable behavior change. It just leaves so much on the table. I mean, if if it's just all or nothing, pass or fail, then everything that's great about the in-between is lost. And there's already so much that tells us just to quit or just to put it off or you can't do it right now or you've got too much stress on your plate. You have too many obligations. You have too much. There's, there's plenty of those messages coming our way. The last thing you need is for a coach to tell you that also, that essentially you're not doing what you need to do. And, and I think all good coaches are going to be able to have tough conversations. Like you're not doing what you need to do. Let's change it. But that's not just like all I care about is if you hit these numbers, because that's all I know how to do is help you adjust numbers. That's not coaching. Um, And ultimately a calculator can do that. And it's just as, as ineffective, but at least you know what you're paying for. Then you're getting simply a computer telling you it. I mean, I had, a client who just started with fit me a couple of weeks ago and she had paid for what was supposed to have been coaching and was, was ultimately um, just a macro calculator that gave her different targets for different days. And um, this client has more than a hundred pounds to lose. And this macro calculator had her at more than a thousand calorie deficit, 
which to me was just incredibly crazy because you, you know, you don't need to be in that place to lose weight when you have a hundred pounds to lose. There's so much to this journey. That's a long journey. And to go so deep in a deficit to make it so impossible for no reason other than to get get results as fast as possible so that this company can say, oh, look, in eight weeks we did, you know, this person lost 40 pounds. Well, they're going to gain it right back because you you put them into an unsustainable calorie target. She was eating, she was drinking like four protein shakes a day to hit this protein target of like 180 grams, which is nuts because she'd never eaten protein like that before. And she wasn't eating it now. She was just drinking it. And it was that, that's what I mean about that was doing more harm than good. I don't want to hear the argument that like, oh, well, they're learning about food along the way. No, this is damaging a person just in a different way. And you're making it harder for them to actually make the changes they need to feel better and be better. Um, And so that's why we started getting fired up because this isn't just like a less good option. This is a problem. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's worth mentioning that when you are obsessed with hitting numbers, when you're obsessed with hitting your macros down to the gram or like it gives you anxiety when you can't track your macros or it gives you anxiety when you can't hit them perfectly, that is a form of disordered eating. Um, Let's just call it what it is. Like macros as a tool, they're not inherently good or bad, but they can absolutely be damaging. It can absolutely be a gateway to an eating disorder. Um, and I think that sometimes coaches are afraid to say that or admit it because they don't have any other other tools in their toolbox to utilize. I think it comes from a lack of understanding human behavior and human psychology that if you are putting someone in a place where they become obsessed with data It doesn't matter what that data point is. It's the same thing with the scale. If you have a client that is obsessed with the scale and it impacts their mood and they, and they gives them anxiety and they hate themselves because of whatever that number says, um, that's a poor relationship there. Like that data point is driving disordered behavior. It's the same thing with macros or calories or whatever data is, is influencing your emotion, your mood. It's just, I think ultimately it comes from a lack of understanding human behavior and psychology and just being so focused on the physiology. Well, if I just create a deficit, I know that I can get this person to lose weight and that's their goal. So I'm going to do that at all costs. Um, and it, and it really does the client a disservice because to your point, somebody has a hundred pounds to, to lose and you're putting them in a dramatic deficit. Um, if they, you know, she may have started to lose weight, but to your point, they would snap that quick before and after picture and say, look what we accomplished, except, you know, she'd gain all the weight back and she'd feel like a failure. And then that company would be using her pictures as marketing, which is probably a really shitty feeling. Yeah. And then she feel that failure, like, Oh, if only I could get back to that place. And it just reinforces the cycle. And, and I, you know, a lot of times there are certain tools that are used in the diet and fitness industry that are appropriate for a specific goal. And they are usually done with a trade-off in mind, knowing like with open eyes that you're kind of willing to accept the downside because of some sort of epic thing that you're trying to do. So say, for example, like your your goal is like an ultra marathon runner, right? You want to run hundreds of miles, Well, you know, the trade-off to that is probably going to be, you know, blisters on your feet. You're aware 
that this big thing that you're trying to do is probably going to do some physical damage as well. And you go into it knowing that. Um, Similar like with dieting, people who compete in bodybuilding, right? And who compete in physique on stage, hopefully they go into that knowing that there's a big trade-off, that they are using diet strategies that are on that eating disorder spectrum because they are manipulating their physical body to look a certain way on stage. And any bodybuilder or physique person that's honest will tell you they always have an emotional swing back after the stage because it's incredibly hard to have your body go back to like a more normal physique and to reincorporate normal eating strategies. But they know that that's baked into the cake of the competition that they're doing. So the problem that I have is that there are some really great takeaways from professional athletes and from the physique and bodybuilding thing that help coaches, you know, use nutrition and fitness for real people who want to feel good in their bodies. But the, the problem that I have is when they take them and they, they don't talk about this trade-off and they're not using them as like a minimum effective dose. I mean, calorie tracking can be really helpful, but because it puts you in that place where you can become obsessive about food and you can become really focused on that's all that matters. Again, you're not competing. If you're not competing to get on stage, you want the minimum effective dose of that. And that's where a coach can really help you because they can say like, this is a great tool. This is going to help you build muscle, but we're going to use it in this way for your real life. That's coaching. Totally agree. I think like understanding what that looks like in real life, it helps to have some like easy ways to spot bullshit or to spot something that's like unsustainable or look at something that's all right. The, the red flag has been raised. Like I, I know that this doesn't feel entirely right. That's one of the things that I talk about is the real life metric. It's like, if I applied this to my real life, what do I have to give up or can I still live my life and do the things that I enjoy doing? Um, I'll give an example. I talked to somebody the other, uh, it was about a week ago and she was like, I did this diet. It was great. I was really successful with it. However, it felt really uncomfortable that when my entire family was sitting down at the dinner table for dinner, I was drinking my dinner because this program only let me have protein shakes for dinner. She's like, you know, I saw a lot of weight loss, but that just felt really uncomfortable for me because my kids were asking me like, why is mommy drinking her dinner? And so in, in a real life scenario, is that the example that you want to set? And, and she was like, not at all. So was that diet really effective just because it got you weight loss? Like that's a red flag. So uh, something to spot, like, you know what, this probably isn't going to work for me. She could have figured that out beforehand of, am I really required to drink a protein shake with dinner every single night? How is that going to hold up to like my real life? Um, and that should be an easy red flag. What are some other things that like you think about when you're like, there's just, you know, the bullshit meter is going off. Like this type of approach probably is not going to be the most sustainable. Uh, I think ones that require um, physical metrics at too frequent of an interval. If you're required to send in pictures, you know, every week or take your weight non-negotiable every day, that should be a red flag. Um, That, again, both of those things can be helpful tools, but not applied like that in real life. Yeah, totally. I think that that's something where, uh, again, we're talking about like 
developing disordered behaviors. If you're always reducing yourself to your measurements and your pictures and the scale, um, that is not going to bode well for your relationship with your body. Um, because there's going to be days where you're more bloated. There's going to be days where the scale goes up. There's going to be days where you just whatever, for whatever reason. And I think it also overlooks or it kind of, um, it just takes the place of when you actually feel good. Like if you wake up in the morning and you feel really good about yourself and you step on the scale and it's up a couple pounds and now that great feeling has gone away because of some arbitrary number, um, that is very damaging, especially. The worst part of it is you know you did it. It's not even that the scale took away your joy. It's that you you chose to do it. And so it's like a double whammy bad feeling yeah. um, because you did it to yourself. I mean, I have, I've been there myself where I've come home from a vacation or a trip and the, I just get on the scale to see. I know exactly what I'm doing. I make myself feel bad on purpose because that's supposed to motivate me tomorrow to eat better. Um, those again, that's red flag because it's, it's sort of self-shaming you or self-hating you into action. And ultimately that can work in the short term, but that's not a great strategy for the long term, especially because you can reach your goal body weight or your ideal physique and still feel terrible on the inside, um, and be unhappy and dissatisfied. And so if you, if, if a program or a coach is, centered around that kind of thing, that should be a red flag. Um, I think another red flag for me is who is telling you uh, this thing is going to be magical and work? Because if it's a professional athlete, then you've got to ask, you've got to throw the red flag and ask the question. I mean, I can't even tell you how many ads show up in my Facebook feed that or in my Instagram feed that are targeted at me that are a professional athlete, like a CrossFit athlete saying, if I do the eight week, you know, best butt program, I'm going to have the best butt ever. And I'm like, are you kidding me? She has been a professional athlete for her entire adult life before. And she's, she's a model. So, I mean, again, not that there's not validity in her strength program, but throw the red flag. Yeah. So- <laughs> Go I ahead. think that, that comes from like the expectation of, of outcome. That's one that I always look at. And it's, it's funny because that those promises have gotten more outlandish. I feel like even though we are more aware of how, how crazy it is, but like I get ads that are like, Hey, you know, drop 60 pounds in six weeks. And I'm like, when, when is it going to stop? Like what, at what level is it going to go to? That's kind of like the business coaches that DM me and they're like a hundred X your business overnight. Like, where are we getting these numbers from? I feel like the, that's where like the expectation of outcome is an easy red flag of if it feels too good to be true, it probably is when it comes to um, how quickly you're going to make progress. Cause usually the quicker the promise or like the shorter the term, the more outlandish the promise, like the more likely you're going to gain it all back plus interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on like communication? Cause this is one that frustrated me when I was going through different coaching programs. And especially when I was working for other companies was like this idea that you can only communicate on like a certain day of the week. And it was like, well, if I had something that, 
didn't feel right or I didn't know how to handle a situation. Like I couldn't communicate directly with my coach. I had to wait until like our check-in day. And then by that point, sometimes I was on like a downward spiral and didn't want to check in anyway. Um, What are your thoughts on like accessibility to a coach? I feel after, you know, thousands of hours of coaching people that, um, it does depend on the season, right? So if you have something going on, you may need more frequent communication than not. So there is a little bit of seasonal variability there. But I do feel like it, the idea that you can um, simply just get like a two-liner email check-in, that's not it. That's not coaching. Um I personally, the cadence that I like is more frequent, small touches throughout the week, little short ones, uh, how, you know, whether it's somebody sending me something that they're really proud of or a moment they kind of thought something through where it doesn't take a ton of back and forth, maybe just like a high five, you know, or we have an expectation that we've set, Hey, I'm, I want you to send me this so I can see you doing this thing that we've set out for this week and then having longer conversations, you know, um, on a more periodic basis. You don't, I don't necessarily think that you have to have long conversations every week. Um, but you should be talking frequently, you know, in some way for for it to be real coaching. For sure. The, the two liner email check-in, um, essentially that was the person that was telling me that she was paying 500 a month. That's what she was getting was, uh, here are your macros have a great week. And that was the gist of it. And there was really nothing other than that, which also brings up another red flag is if there's no explanation or collaboration, that's a red flag. So if you're just like, go do this, have a nice day. Um, you know, why those macros or why is this the the game plan uh, or what's the expectation or do I have any say as the client as to where we go or are you just telling me what to do and barking orders? I feel like those are all things that a lot of coaches do without any client input. If I can't communicate with you like, hey, um, I have a social life. How do I handle this? How can we incorporate this into my plan? Or, um, you know, here's something that I've been curious about like can we collaborate on this and and actually work together to come up with a solution i feel like that's another red flag on you know the the coach's expertise is important to be able to like say you know what uh this behavior may not be serving us but let's come up with a solution together that feels right versus like you're doing something wrong you need to fix it here's what you should do um if that kind of makes sense. And the collaboration should start from the initial call where you discuss the style of communication. And for people who are listening, who are going to want coaching and for the coaches that are listening, I think this is really important just in setting yourself up for success. So if you are a coach who hates writing emails and your client is only available via email then you should not take that client. It can be as simple as, listen, I, I am, I'm a great phone coach, but I'm not a great email person. And I'm not going to give you what you need at the level that you need. So let me refer you to someone who, who does this well. And I think that's, that's good coaching too, is saying, what is our, what is going to be our path to communication that we both are going to be able to be consistent with? And then making sure that that's not, 
impossible for you. Because if you're if you're trying to have coaching and your coach wants to send you, you know, emails and you hate emails, well, that's not going to work either because it doesn't necessarily matter if it's email, if it's phone, if it's a, a vo- video voice message, if it's text, it's the quality of what comes through that's important. And so everybody can have a different style of what works for them. Um, but that collaboration should start at the very beginning. So if you're just signing up for a program and they're not even asking you, you know, how are we going to communicate? That's a red flag. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think that's such a great point. And for coaches, definitely set that expectation because I've seen a number of situations go south just from that exact thing that you outlined, which is just, you're on, you're not on the same page. And it's like, well, I was expecting to be able to text and it just wasn't discussed. It was, you know, oh, we check in once a week, but be specific in the way that you prefer to communicate. Um, and that that whole collaboration. I think that um, even from the initial starting point, like what are you actually being asked to, uh, what information are you being asked as far as like, is it literally just age, weight, height, sex, whatever? Like, or are we getting into like dieting history and mindset and current lifestyle and personal preferences and social life and your work schedule and, you know, family life, like different things like that? Or is it truly just, um, we're just plugging in some of the basic data. Um, Another red flag is like assess the initial call. Um, Are we digging into like, you know, background? Are we digging into more personal stuff? Or is it very much like, all right, now tell me your weight and tell me your goal weight and tell me your activity level and your age. All right, cool. I'll have your plan tomorrow. Um, Easy red flag right there. Mm -hmm. And again, the reason I get so mad about this, and I think you do too, is because we got into coaching to help people in this moment where you're really vulnerable. And I've been in that moment. You've been in that moment where you genuinely want help. You, you want to put yourself out there and just saying like, Hey, I, I need help with losing weight. That's a vulnerable thing to say. I need help because I'm eating nonsense that I don't want to eat. And I don't even know why. And I'm pissed at my body all the time. And I'm a successful professional and I'm a good mom and a good parent, but I can't seem to get this one part of my life together. That is a position of vulnerability. And then that's why we get so mad because if someone's going to take that moment and manipulate you, um, it pisses us off. Yeah. Not only the manipulation, but then it, it creates this cycle because now you've put yourself out there. You're vulnerable. Somebody manipulates you. Then you feel like a failure. And then it reinforces the thought of, well, I'm not good enough because I still have this weight. And now it, you know, makes that story even more true in your head, which I I know from personal experience, each failed dieting attempt reinforced that story that I told myself in my head that I didn't belong until I was fit, that I, you know, didn't fit in, that I was like, you know, something was wrong with me because I was carrying extra weight. So like, I couldn't go see my friends. I couldn't go home to my family. Like there was all these stories in my head. And every time I lost weight and gained it back, it reinforced that story, Uh, which is like you said, why we get so passionate and so angry about it because you're taking vulnerability and you're not just you're not just using it to your financial advantage. You're actually making it worse and, and kind of like scratching that wound and making it deeper. And here's the thing. I think that there's probably some people out there, uh, business people who are just trying to make money. That's all that they're trying to do and they'll sell you whatever. But I also think that there's a, pe- there's a group of, of, of businesses that are potentially 
started with good intentions, but have now migrated into, you know, making money as the primary purpose and, or have somehow decided that the thing that they really do add value in, say it's a gym, for example, uh, and this is a, this is a perfect example, a gym who is great at helping people get physically stronger, but they're like, oh, well, we need to also offer nutrition. And so then they pick some sort of, you know, challenge, gimmick, whatever, and then they sell it to their people. Not acceptable. This is doing harm. And I think, again, we can hold ourselves accountable as an industry and say, this is not what we do. We're in the business of helping people and offering a challenge where people can lose weight as fast as possible in 30 days with a buy-in and a cash prize is not helping people. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's where like putting the ego aside and saying, like, this is not my specialty. The, the crazy part about it is that if you referred somebody, if using that gym example, if you referred somebody to a qualified coach and that individual gets amazing results because they're working with a real coach who actually cares about them, then guess what? It's going to make your gym look better too. Um, not trying to just be, you know, play all roles and say like, yes, we also offer nutrition because you're trying to monetize something that you feel like is an opportunity, but you really have no business doing. Um, it's the same thing that if like somebody came to me and they were like, yeah, I really want help with my nutrition. And I also want to compete in the CrossFit games. I would say I can help you with your nutrition. As far as your training goes, I would recommend going to somebody who has more experience training CrossFit athletes in, in that particular modality and like referring out because then I get to focus on my wheelhouse and I let, you know, the other person focus on what they do. And it's just when you can have that, you know, self-awareness. Um, really the bottom line is like the individual deserves better, but also as coaches, we have to do better and, and really understand like, who are we meant for? Who should we be working with? And, and who should we not be accepting into our community? Who's not like our people? And I think that sometimes that part of it gets overlooked. It's like, well, I need to make money. So I'm going to be everything to everyone. And that's where sometimes like the intention might be good, but it can do more damage, uh, can do more harm than good. For sure. And I think there's a lot of, you know, gyms that are doing incredible work with people, but then they still offer these like harmful challenges, I think. And they still are willing to have this be a, a thing because they want to meet that need rather than just saying like, you know, we're going to focus on this part here and nutrition. Here are some like great places I recommend. Um, but it was funny because I had the, I had a, a DEXA van, you know, DEXA body scans are kind of for people that are listening. It's a, it's sort of almost like an x-ray that tells you your body fat percentage. It tells you where your muscle is, where your fat is, all of it. It's really accurate. And, um, a couple of weeks ago I had it come out to my house, uh, because I, I hosted like anybody who wants to come can come. And there was just the location. So the van was sitting in my driveway all day. Um, and I do like tools like that, you know, occasionally can give you some good information that the scale can't tell you. Um, so anyways, I was chatting with the person in the, who was doing the scans and, uh, she was talking to me about fit me and she was like, you know, Hey, we help a lot of gyms with, you know, co competitions where we come out, you know, at the beginning of the month and we come out at the end of the month. So you can, you know, measure progress. If you wanted to do like a lose weight, you know, for this game. And I was like, I actually don't believe in that. <laughs> I was like, it's not in alignment with my values because it would be hurting people. It's like the opposite of creating resiliency. It's, it's, 
lose weight as fast as you can with whatever approach you need to use. Um, starve yourself, you know, dehydrate yourself. Don't eat with your family. Don't, you know, and then ultimately win for a month and right. lose for five more years. And it's, it's, but it's funny because she had good intentions too. I think that she wasn't trying to be a jerk or sell me something crazy. She just thought that this is what we do. And I think that that's a problem. Yeah, totally agree. I think that that's why it's important to have these conversations and at least get people, if you're a coach and you're listening, just to think a little bit more critically and think, you know, have some reflection time and think about your process and, you know, we can all get better. So this is not, again, this is not coming from a place of like pointing the finger or coming at it from like, we're coming, we're sitting in our ivory castle or, you know, sitting on our high horse. It's truly coming from a place of like trying to up level the standard in the industry and not accepting less than what each individual deserves. And, and sometimes it's, it's a hard conversation to have, but it needs to be had because there's too much nonsense out there. And I do believe that there are some that, like you said, there's just, there's the financial motive behind it. I've witnessed that firsthand. Um, unfortunately, it's an ugly place when, when you see a company make that pivot and they're like, we just need to make as much money off of people as possible. And that's how we're going to operate. And that, that sucks. But there's also people, like you said, where it just comes from a place of lack of awareness and like the intent is, is in the right place, but the method of getting there is really harmful. So I think for those people, um, it's, it's sometimes just, hearing conversations like this and then doing an honest assessment and thinking like, all right, where can I improve? How can I get better? Um, which is something that I do constantly. Like my coaching has evolved so many times over since I started, um, like truly has, doesn't even look close to the same as when I was first a coach. Like I literally believed yeah. coaching was just macro calculations. Like when I first got into nutrition coaching, I was like, this is so easy. It's just a math equation. Like I'm going to get everybody results on this crazy equation. And, and I learned very quickly that that wasn't the case, but you have to, you have to go through the, the evolution and, and continue to just fine tune your process and find um, what feels most authentic and like stick to your values. I think that's another thing is like, you should have strong values and principles in your coaching. Um, I know that's something that you believe firmly in with fit me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it helps you make decisions. That's really why it's important to take time to identify what your values are, whether it's as a business, as a coach or as an individual, sometimes there's decisions where you're like, I'm not sure which is the right way to go. And legitimately, if you have the value outlined, it, it informs the decision-making. Because then you're like, okay, well, this is in alignment with it and this isn't. And even if it's a hard decision, you have a roadmap. You have waypoints that are like, this is what's important. Um, I mean, like an obvious example, right, would be like if you had a, a value of spending quality time with your family. And then you had the opportunity for maybe a new job that would take you away, you know, six out of the eight weekends of the, you know, two-month period. And you're like... I'd be gone six weekends and then home for two and gone for six. And you're like, man, this incredible opportunity. What do I do? If you've taken the time to outline that your values are being there for your kids' sports games, and that is what is a priority to you, then it informs the decision. I can't take this job, regardless of all of the pluses and minuses. And that's how, that's how values work when it comes to decision-making. And, and ultimately, it doesn't make it like less of a difficult decision or harder to say yes or no. It's just helps you be in alignment with what's important. 
Totally. And that same approach um, absolutely applies to nutrition and fitness um, because that should be kind of the guiding light. Like we've talked about with the, you know, how does this apply to, to real life? Uh, that's one of those things like, like the woman who had to drink protein shakes for dinner. Well, like one of her values is to share family meals together. So that doesn't hold up. Um, that's just an easy way. And like you said, it doesn't make the decision any, any easier, but it at least helps you with that guiding light. I think that that, I would say is probably one of the biggest challenges that I face. And I'm wondering if it's the same for you, which is that people who come to me and they're like, yeah, I love everything that you stand for and your whole philosophy and, you know, creating sustainable behavior change and understanding each individual and personality types and all of that sounds great. But like, I really want results quickly. And it's like the, the dieters mindset of like, I'm not happy with my weight. I want to get this off as fast as possible. Do I really have to buy in to the long game? Is that something that that you still see pretty frequently? I think it's normal to feel like that. When you're in pain or you're uncomfortable and you're like troubled by your physical, the way that you feel in your skin, I think it's okay to want that. But then you have to know that to make the long lasting change that you want, it, it is going to be a, a long game. It's going to be an investment of time and repetitions and energy. And, and I think people always say, well, I want to do something sustainable. Like, what does that mean? Sustainable means that there's room for real life. It means that when you go away for a weekend with your girlfriends, you can come back to what you were doing and you're not compensating by punishing yourself. You're just picking up where you left off and continuing. Or, hey, you're going to have knee surgery. Or, you know, your, your in-laws are sick. You can still do what you're doing. That's what sustainability means. It's not just how much can you extend your willpower. It's not a measure of your personal aptitude for, like, sticking to a plan. That's not what sustainable means. Um, sustainable means that you're in it for the long haul. If you every single day do something, you will change. Your physical body will change. You can have evidence of this in a lot of different ways. Um, I have a really good example. I had a, my daughter, Georgia, 15 months ago, and I breastfed. So I was in this position, and even if you're not breastfeeding and you're holding a baby all the time, every single day, multiple times a day, I held I held her and my shoulders were rounded forward to cradle a baby. And over one year, my shoulders have changed shape and my posture is worse. And when I go to do a pull-up, my shoulder doesn't feel as happy. And I can spend five minutes working on my mobility or buy some shoulder program. But at the end of the day, Holding the baby with my shoulders rounded forward over and over and over again is what has created this physical change in my body. Not some program that I buy that's going to fix my shoulders, not some, you know, five minutes of mobility stretch. So the way to fix my shoulders is to change my posture. It has to be a cue that I go back to on the regular. Um, and yes, I can't not feed the baby. And so there's part of that that I understand is just baked into the cake. But the rest of the day when I'm looking at my phone or sitting at my computer, there's no reason I can't raise my head up and 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 help address my posture. And so it's similar with the changes that we want to make in terms of long-term and sustainability. It's what you can do over and over and over again that's going to create the change that you want. That whole 
segment needs to be re-listened to. That was so powerful. Um, I think that that's honestly like that is the core of everything that we've been discussing is this idea of sustainability and what that truly means. And you outlined it so brilliantly that there's really nothing to add. Like seriously, go back. If you're listening to this, rewind, go back and start and, and really understand what sustainability means because that will clear up so much confusion Anytime that you're interested in a program or something that you're, you're wanting to do, look at it through that lens and that will, be, um, that will help you understand whether this is something that you feel like is the right fit for you or if it's not. Um, is it something that you can continue doing regardless of what life throws at you, the curveballs that happen and the unpredictability of, of life? Like we know that real life is messy and it's uncertain and we have to be able to, uh, you know, look at it from this lens of sustainability. And that's going to look different for, for everybody. That's why there's no, there's no one way of doing things. It's going to look different for each individual. So looking at it through your own personal lens of what does that mean for me and my life and what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, it's not like, like, Christy, like you said, it's not about how much can I endure and how much can I give up and how much can I restrict and sacrifice. Um, you know, sometimes people try to wear that like a badge of honor, like look how little I'm eating or look at what I'm restricting. And it's, you know, it's damaging and it's not sustainable. And so um, just going back and, and referencing that, I think is going to be super helpful to help people move forward and make the best decision for themselves. It should be empowering also to know that you can make significant change without having to be perfect. But if you are living a certain way now, we're talking about changing some pieces of that. And so you have to wrap your head around both. I don't have to be perfect, but I can't keep doing what I'm doing. And that's why coaching is so powerful Because a good coach can help you identify the pieces of your day and the pieces of your your habits, your routine, your mindset, your lifestyle that you can change and it won't happen overnight. But a good coach is going to guide you through that. And and that's why it can't just be a two-liner email or a macro adjustment or some calorie thing or like just do better next week. That's not what it is. Yeah, I think that to your point, it's the, it's the gradual changes over time. And that's really what it comes down to. It's like, we're not making, we're not overhauling. And there's, there's a lot of research to support this, but there's a study done at the university of Scranton where they looked at um, one of the issues with uh, new year's resolutions. And they, they did this study that like only 8% of people actually hit their new year's resolution goals in this particular study. And the researchers identified that it was so much change all at once was the number one reason why most people failed. So it was instead of making these like slow and gradual changes over time, they tried to bite off everything all at once. They tried to rip the bandaid off and, um, and it was obviously very unsuccessful for the majority of people. Uh, so it's that, that gradual change over time, which is what a, an effective coach will do. It's like, what is the step or what is the path from just getting you from point A to point B? Like, let's not worry about point Z. Let's not worry about point M. Like we just have this one step in front of us and what's going to be the path that makes the most sense for that individual. Um, And that's really all that matters. And then we kind of layer on from there. I think that that's really, that's how behavior change happens. It should also be exciting if you're a coach and you're listening to this because, I mean, I was talking to a group of coaches that I mentor a few weeks ago and I used this example 
about a backflip. If you are a coach who wants to help someone do a backflip and you don't know how to do a backflip, it doesn't mean you can't coach them, at least in the beginning. If somebody is not doing anything and their dream is to do a backflip, you don't have to know every single step of the way and all the nuances and complicated pieces about how to get to a backflip. You just need to know how to take them from sitting on their couch to, you know, doing a a somersault. And, and that should feel really good as a coach because you're not, you're not doing a lesser version because you're not doing the complicated thing. You're doing the better version. You're helping them get their head out of the clouds, which is great. It's good to have vision. It's good to have big goals. It's good to know where you want to go. But ultimately, the way that you get there is to focus on the next step. And so a good coach can take someone's big goal and and narrow it down to, okay, well, what are we going to do this week? And you don't know how, okay, let's figure out how you can do this. I'm going to show you and I want you to try it. Oh, your, your somersault looked terrible. Let's try it again. Uh, we're going to try it this way and I want you to tweak this. All right. We're going to do somersaults for a couple weeks. And then, you know, that, that feels really great as a coach because sometimes you feel overwhelmed and you want to throw everything at people and have them do all this complex stuff when really what they need is just that next step. And, and and it's hard because when you're the person and I have coaches in my life and you probably feel the same way, you get all excited about the backflip. You're like, oh, I'm going to do a backflip. And that's all I care about. Just tell me how to get to the backflip. Um, and you need a coach to bring it down. All right, yeah. come on. This is what we're doing next. hundred percent. And it's, it's interesting because that exact reference like has happened to me recently where I was having a conversation. I haven't been able to do a backflip, but um, it, it's like, there's this expectation of immediate result. So I was like reflecting, I was taking a walk and talking to my girlfriend and was like, you know, it's crazy because there's certain things that you do like every single day and you don't see the immediate impact of that. You don't see the result right away. And then sometimes you start to question like, why am I doing this thing? And for me, I I looked back and I was like, now I look back at like the last year And it's so obvious why I was doing all of those things. And now it's apparent, but I remember like going through the process of different things, like even just podcasting consistently. And I'm like, you know, for me, it's like, well, I don't see the immediate return on this. I don't see, um, you know, it's not like I'm getting, I don't do any like paid advertising. I don't do anything. I do it for me, really. I do it because um, it's almost like my therapy. I like to just get on here and talk. Um, But I don't see the like immediate return from a business standpoint. But then all of a sudden, like now it's been well over a year, but now people are like reaching out because they listen to my podcast and, you know, it's tell me that it's impacted their life and all the stuff. And I'm like, okay, now it makes perfect sense why I've been doing this. It's the same thing with like, posting content and stuff that you, you may post something and you're like, Oh, I don't know why I'm doing this every day. I'm not getting any new clients from this or whatever. And then all of a sudden, after you've been really consistent for a long period of time, you're like, okay, now it all makes sense. It's kind of the same thing with like any sort of behavior change. You may feel like, why am I doing these somersaults every day? And then it becomes like your default operating system. And that it's like, you've now raised the floor of where you can come back to. So like, rather than starting at square zero, um, if something happens, you're at square one or square two, and now you're coming at it from a better place. Mm-hmm. You know what my favorite thing is, and this is just something that I've gone through in my own head, and so hopefully this is helpful for someone that's listening. When you first start doing something like that, where you know it's going to take a lot of repetitions, 
at first you have this feeling like, oh, when am I going to see results? So you do it a couple of times. You're like, where's my results? And then you, you, you recognize, okay, this is a, a longer game than this. And then you start doing it longer. But at least in my life, then I start looking for other people. Even if I don't have results, I want validation from other people in my life to tell me that I'm still doing the right thing. So I'll look for it. And then when you move past that, and you're just quietly doing the repetitions by yourself and you've gotten past the place where you know, okay, I have to have these results right now. And then you've gotten past the place where you no longer are expecting the validation from someone else around you that you're on the right path and you're just alone in the, in the act. Take joy in that because it could feel bad. Like, oh, nobody's telling me I'm doing the right thing. Nobody even cares. I'm out here walking my 10,000 steps and nobody cares. Perfect you're doing it (laughs) and just kind of feel good about that, that you're at this level now that most people don't get to, they quit. They either want immediate results. They want someone else to validate it. And you're doing more than that. You're doing the quiet repetitions that will equal long-term change. And then when you get there, people are going to ask you, they're going to say, Oh my God, how did you get this? Like, how did, what what program did you do, you know, to get here? What thing did you do? And you're going to know deep down in your heart that it was all those nights out there by yourself doing the repetitions. You did the work and that's how you got there. So in the moment when you feel lonely and you're all by yourself in the rain, walking your 10,000 steps, just know you're doing it. There's been so many mic drop moments. I feel like this, that was the perfect way to wrap up. Like I honestly can't even add to it. That is like, there's no such thing as overnight success or overnight results. Anytime we see that tip of the iceberg that looks really appealing, there's that whole bunch of iceberg underneath the surface that we never knew existed. Um, and that is where all of the work and all of the magic happen. Um, so that's a perfect place to wrap up. This was, this was a powerful episode. Honestly, I think that last segment and the, you know, what you talked about with sustainability, like those two sound clips, I might even just like take those as like separate sound bites and like use them as, as promotional material. Cause that's so good. Um, everybody needs to re-listen. Um, so before I let you jump off, um, I need you to shout yourself out and tell people where they can connect with you and learn more about you and all the good stuff that you've got going on. Uh, the two best places to connect with me are on Instagram. So Christy May Campbell, um, I try to share real life stuff, real life takes, um, on, all the things kind of like we're talking about. And then I have a short form podcast. It's called Fit Me Coffee Talk. And I put out five to seven minute episodes almost every day. Um, It is very casual. It's me giving you something to think about, a different take on on something. And it usually has some kind of action step to go with it. And so that's Fit Me Coffee Talk or um, on my Instagram at Christy Make Campbell. Yeah. And I highly recommend everybody go follow Christy and um, not just for the amazing content, but you will also see the cutest baby ever. Um, Georgia is absolutely adorable. So if you're somebody who wants to see the most adorable baby, that's also another incentive for going to follow Christy. But um, I'm truly honored to have you in my circle as a friend and colleague and somebody that I have like the utmost respect for um, just as like a truly truly genuine human. So thank you for everything that you do. Um, is there anything that, that you've got coming up that you're excited about that you want to share? Um, first off, likewise, I feel the same way about you. I feel really grateful to have you as a friend and someone who, you know, 
says the tough things and helps people genuinely. And so I'm grateful for you. Um, and I've loved this podcast episode. It's been really fun. But um, if you, I do have something coming up. So I am offering a, it's my first offer as a certification and mentorship for coaches. And so I really believe that coaches who want to set themselves apart and get help their people that they care about get results need to take time to work on the skills of coaching, asking good questions, listening, creating accountability structures, knowing your values, knowing your mission, connecting your life to your client's life in a higher level way. And so I'm offering a certification and mentorship and our enrollment opens in just a few weeks. And so if you're interested, shoot me a message on Instagram and we can just chat about it and see if it's the right thing for you. If you're a coach and if you are someone who's just looking for diet-free, sustainable habits, um, Fit Me Community Facebook group is a great place that we just do that and it's free and you can come over there and, and do some, some of that with us. Yes, I love it. I'm excited about that, um, the certification and uh, just you know, kind of along the lines of this entire conversation, just trying to level up like what coaches, the expectation of coaches and um, setting the standard to a higher level. Like everybody that listens to me knows that my mission, uh, my greater cause is to completely disrupt the diet industry and flip it on its head and change the way that we handle um, coaching individuals and focusing more on sustainable behavior change and actually connecting with people and understanding the way that their mind works to um, to relate to them and, and meet them where they're at and take them through that process. Like this is something that I feel like is, is missing in the space. So I'm really glad that you're filling that gap. So if you are a coach, definitely connect with Christy on the upcoming mentorship and certification. Um, if you're a client or if you're just somebody who wants to live a better life as far as your health and wellness goes um, fitness whatever like Chris, Christy is an amazing resource so connect with her as well um, thank you so much for your time this was a phenomenal episode and we will talk very soon thanks Mike thank you again